Nation. You are here with your host, Lisa, and I have got an absolute banger of a show coming up for you today. We have a very, very special guest in the studio with us, and her name is Em, and she is here to talk all about her experiences as a sex worker and what that means for her dating life, what that means on work date. So we're going to be hearing a lot from her and it's going to be great. But first of all, I would love to play for you some Kate Sobrano because I was really feeling it this morning on the way here and I thought that everyone should hear this throwback. So this is Pash by Kate Sobrano. Unfortunately, Sin doesn't have the rights to podcast the music it plays on Sin Nation. I guess that just means you'll need to listen live for all the wonderful tracks. Tune in on your digital radio or stream it online at sin.org.au. You're on the dating pool on Sin Nation and you just heard Pash by the one and only Kate Sobrano. I'm here in the studio with the beautiful M. Hi. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you Get off your much. phone, love. Thank you. We need we need your full undivided attention this afternoon. We Absolutely. Have, we have things to tell the people. I was stalking your Instagram. Oh, is that what you're doing? Yeah. Nice. Very nice. Thank you. My, my number one fan is in the house. <laughs> I am Lisa's number one fan. So, introduce yourself. Who Hi, are you? I'm M. I am a student and I have worked in the adult industry for 10 years, roundabout. 10 years? Yes, on and off. And what, so what are you currently doing? Um, so I'm currently studying full time and I work in the adult industry on and off. So um, that can include, we um, use the umbrella term sex work and uh, that word covers cam work, stripping, dominatrix work and kink work and full service sex work amongst many other things. Yeah. But yeah, those are the main types of work that I've done. More recently, I've mostly fi- um, focused on kink work. Nice. And what does what does that mean? Um, so I guess a lot of people would say it involves BDSM. Ooh. Um, and that could be in a dungeon. It could be um, public humiliation. It can be all sorts of things. It could just be online. Um, I've done a lot of kink work over the years, and it's definitely my passion. That's awesome. It's great to have a passion. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Um, so where you were saying to me before, actually off air that you used to train, like there was like a training process that you like went through. Yeah. So, um, to call yourself a pro dom, um, you should have ideally trained under another pro dom for a number of years. So depending on how far you want to take it and what sort of things you want to do, um, some people like to train in piercing, um, so they can do things like hook suspension. Um, yeah, it really just depends how far you want to take it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she, I had like no idea before you, when you said to me training, I was like, oh, I'm not going to ask you about that now. I'm going to wait until that we get here. Um, because I had no idea like that there was, you know what I mean? Because people that are naive like myself, you just think that you sort of do it. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, and I guess there are a lot of um, people that do do that. Um, and I don't think that they can really call themselves a pro-dominatrix but they could be a kink worker. Yeah. You know, they're still um, involved in that scene and um, they're still a sex worker. Um, but uh, certain things you do need training for. And I think it's important to do some training, um, even if you're not going to be a pro dominatrix, if you are involved in that sort of scene, because uh, things like aftercare are very, very important um, if you do get involved in kink play. 
Yeah, because you, you obviously have to put yourself first in your safety and your health and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, there's this, we say safe, sane and consensual. So everything must fall under those three things. And if they um, are not applicable in your situation, you shouldn't be playing with whoever you're playing with. Yeah, yeah, I like that. That's that's like a mantra that you should probably take through life as well. Yeah, right? It's, yeah, I don't think it's exclusive <laughs> to sex work. Yeah. I'm going to rebrand myself. As, no, I'm kidding. I now want to know about your dating life. Mm. Do you date? I do. So um, I'm queer. I date mostly women. And yeah, I'm single at the moment, everybody. <laughs> but <laughs> but I date. Um, I'm like currently dating. And yeah, I go on lots of dates and have a few people I play with. And Can you give me some examples of like dates that you've been on? What's like your favorite date that you've had? Work related? No, not work related. Not work related. In my personal life, Oh my god! I don't really go on dates. I do like impromptu hangouts. I love if um, someone I'm seeing can get along with my friends. So I'll often in, like invite them to my house for drinks or like go out and that sort of thing. In terms of like a um, like a classic date, I guess like I'll go get drinks at my favorite bar or yeah. go see a band. That sort of thing. I love doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, your dates have to meet the family first right they need like total approval that's <laughs> maybe why. not the family but <laughs> no, my that's what i mean sure. the friends yeah. yeah that's what i mean by family if someone's not gonna get along with my friends it's a deal breaker 100 <laughs> percent. and what's like an example of a work-related date a work-related date so i wouldn't really classify that as a date i would just call it work because um yeah like anything work-related just I, I separate that so much i compartmentalize it quite a lot so yeah i just see it as work um, but I've had some lovely experiences with clients. Um, I've had one client took me away on holidays. Um, Where did you go? Oh, <laughs> we went down just a, an hour south of Melbourne. Oh, yeah, that's southeast. nice though. Yeah, it was Get lovely. out of the city. Yeah. Get out of the big smoke. Yeah, really nice. And yeah, I've had another client fly interstate and book me for two days. Um, along with a couple of my friends for my birthday. Really? So he threw me a birthday party and I got paid for it and so did all my friends. That sounds beautiful. I'm yeah. really jealous. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to throw to a song. This is Volcano Girls by Baruka Salt. We'll be back in a hot sec with more from M. Welcome back to The Dating Pool. That was Talking Heads and I'm here with M. One of my favourite songs. Mama, mama, mama. Yeah, I'm really into it. I was listening to the Jawbreaker soundtrack earlier today. And so that's what you're going to be hearing a lot of um, this afternoon on the dating pool. Straying away from the pop classics and bangers that we've been listening to for the for the last six weeks. Um, but I'm here with Em and she's beautiful and she's got a lot of stories to offer. I have some questions. Fire away. Uh, what is like the weirdest encounter you've had while working? There's been lots of like outrageous things that I've been asked to participate in and do to people because I am a kink work worker. So I think one of the strangest was someone that flew interstate to brush my hair. Really? Yes. Stop it. For how long? <laughs> Four hours. Oh my god! Did you speak? <laughs> we spoke a little. He just wanted to talk about how long it took me to grow my hair, and he was like smelling it, and it was really creepy. Oh my goodness! For context, Em's hair is like down to her butt, so <laughs> it's like there's a quite a lot of it, and it's a beautiful, natural like it's just it's fabulous. That is 
What? It's so outrageous. Yeah, and he was, I was astounded. I didn't think it was going to be like a real thing because you get a lot of people that are curious and um, want to like have an inquiry or like interested in seeing a sex worker and when it comes down to it, they pull out or they get nervous, which I get. I guess mm-hmm. it's, it's like a big thing to do um, and there's a lot of stigma behind it. So I didn't think it, he'd follow through with it and he rocked up like he, he flew from perth no <laughs> oh my goodness that's not even like sydney it's not a small trip. oh it's my like, god it's quite a way to go to brush someone's hair did you let him take any of it no oh okay that's all right so you, there's no clone of you running around in the other side of the country well, maybe he snuck a little bit you never know <laughs> you never know that's the best um do you have any others i've got plenty or is that just the one that like sticks out the most a lot of my financial um, dom work has been really interesting. Oh yeah, we have to tell the people about that. So explain what a financial dominatrix is. Um, it can be many, many things, but basically uh, the fetish involves being controlled financially and some people get a rush spending large amounts or attributing large amounts to dominatrix or goddess. Um, it makes them feel worthwhile. It makes them feel... Um, yeah, they get like a rush of adrenaline doing something so crazy. They're like, I just gave someone all this money and that's wild. Yeah. So I guess that sounds like I- the ideal thing, right? Like my job is to for people to give me money, but there's a lot more to it. You've got to be responsible within that and not abuse it. And um, sometimes if they're a lifestyle financial slave, they need uh, budgeting um, and it's like quite a huge responsibility. Yeah. So you essentially get given like the cards and the details and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I've and controlled someone's bank account completely and um, done all their budgeting. And um, do you like pay their bills? Yeah, absolutely. Oh my goodness. Absolutely. So it's my responsibility to make sure that they're fed, clothed, bills paid on time, rent paid on time, and still ensure that there's enough um, left to pay my fee. Wow. Which isn't small. Yeah. Well, I can, I can imagine. Well, I mean, I can't even control mine. So, like, I might have right. to. I, I might struggle have, with yeah. that too. <laughs> it's like, I might have to engage in your services yeah. sometime. <laughs> What's the nicest thing that someone's done? I would say the nicest time I've had was just sharing a bottle of wine and having a really good chat with a client that I just connected with really, really well. Um, we've become friends since. But, yeah, like, honestly, it's just the small stuff. Like, I've done a lot of outrageous stuff. I've been to sex parties. I've traveled the world I've been involved in like wild orgies yeah I'm not sure what I'm allowed to say but I've done some really crazy stuff in no you can say you can yeah you can say whatever you like yeah oh well I had this client and he loved being like pegged yeah we had maybe like five or six sessions and each session he would like tell me how he wasn't gay I'm like who are you trying to reassure here like me or you yeah and um by like the end of our sessions, he was um, begging me to get like guys from Grinder to come over and like fuck him and that sort of thing, and we did. And I actually helped him come out in the end. Oh, yeah. that's so beautiful. I mean, it was a hard thing. He had to break up with his girlfriend and come out to her, and it was really tricky. And I like helped him through that, but that was super rewarding. Yeah, for sure. And it was wild. Like the stuff we did was crazy. Like getting all these people from Grinder to come over and like controlling that was really cool. And being a part of his like coming out experience was really cool. Was that the first time he'd ever been with guys? Yeah, absolutely. And you were there to like facilitate. Absolutely, and that was great. It made my gay heart very warm. Oh my goodness. You're like not just a dom, you're like angel dom, you know? 
I think a lot of sex workers are super caring people and um, yeah, like you've got to be to work in this industry and to thrive in this industry because you thrive on repeat customers. You want good people that are going to come back. That's your bread and butter. That's your, that's your money. So you want to treat people with respect. They're looking for connection and respect and it's got to go both ways. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. Okay. So we're going to go to another song and then we'll be back with more M. You're on the dating pool. Thank you, Courtney Love. We love you. And the next thing that I want to delve into is obviously there are lots of ethical um, debates and situations that come up surrounding sex work because quite often clients are married or in relationships. So it's like monogamy and non-monogamy and cheating and not cheating. And where, so where do you sit with that, like within yourself? Well, in terms of relationships and um, monogamy, um, I guess my personal re- relationships are my business, but if um, someone else is in a relationship and they're choosing to use my services, that's not really my business. I can't know if someone's being honest about being single or not, and it's not my job to ask that question. Um, I think that, I don't know, everyone that sees me is an adult, um, and it's their responsibility to deal with their relationship, and if they're married, a lot of my clients have been married, Um, and obviously they're not getting something from their marriage. It's not my job to question that. It's my job to provide a service and um, bring happiness or fulfilment in an area of their lives that they're not feeling it. Yeah, totally. Have you ever been confronted with um, a situation? Like, has a situation ever gone, like, a bit sideways? Yeah, I've had friends, boyfriends try to book me, not realising who I am. No way. And have you known them in real life? Yes. And do you just not take the... Yeah, I just ignore it. Like, I I screen my clients pretty heavily. So I have a pretty good idea about who I'm meeting before I meet them, whether they know I know or not. I've had wives contact me, wives of clients, um, and that's been pretty outrageous. But the way I deal with it, I'm just like, look, I can't confirm or deny if I have seen your partner, but um, that's something you'll need to discuss with them. Yeah, totally. And is it when they contact you, is it like like an accusation or is it like a question? It can come out in all different ways. Some uh, say, like, just go straight to abusing me. They're like, how can you do this? How can you live with yourself? He's married and all of that. And other times they're like, they just want to know if this person did see me. Obviously, they've found some sort of evidence. And, um, yeah, it's – I have to maintain discretion as well. So that's something that's quite important in what I do. So it's not my job to – I just – try and cut off the conversation very quickly yeah totally it's yeah. yeah absolutely none of your business what people do in their own personal lives mm. um in terms of so there's the jealousy from the wives mm. but obviously you have personal relationships as well absolutely do you find that your partners obviously they're your partners for a reason but like do they get jealous do they like it do they support it do they dislike it do they feel uncomfortable like I think jealousy is something that happens in nearly every relationship. It's just human nature. Um, It's something that's really difficult surrounding sex work. And I think nearly every sex worker encounters this in their personal relationships. Either they, some people go uh, the route of just hiding it and not telling their partners. Yeah. Um, And I've done that when I was younger, but now I guess um, I want a really honest relationship with lots of communication. That's what I expect in a partner. So that's what I want to give. 
um, sometimes I usually stop sex work when I am really into someone yep. or seeing someone seriously. That's if, a personal decision though. That's yeah, not a absolutely not being put on you. No, no. I would never stop sex work if someone told me to. Yeah. I think that that's, if someone's trying to control you, then yep. they're not the right person for you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And if I found someone that was right for me, they wouldn't try and make me stop. It would just be something that I did. So with your partner's in the past that like you've hit it from mm. how do you it's are you essentially leading a double life there like how does it Absolutely. work it's super stressful and you're maintaining a lie and lying to someone that you're in, essentially in love with and I think that that's a bit of a wrong thing to do so morally that doesn't sit right with me but I understand that a lot of sex workers are not in the position where they can come out about it and a lot of survival sex workers yeah um are not working by choice so they hide it and I think that's absolutely fine too you've got to protect your safety your physical safety at all costs yeah so, yeah, yeah I understand that but personally for me my own morals don't align with lying about it to my partners yeah and so the people that you're like dating now when you when you go on a first date or whatever like how long before you sort of reveal usually um like in Melbourne queer scene and lesbian scene I think a lot of people know each other, so it's not something I hide. Yeah. Uh, if someone asks what I do and what I've done, I've, I'm honest about it. Yeah. But, for example, if a taxi driver says, what do you do? I just say student because I don't want to get into that conversation exactly. with someone I don't know. That's but also yeah. a safety issue, though, with, like, telling strangers. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. So I try not to tell strangers because I just don't want to have that conversation and it's a safety thing. But I think... Um, in my dating life, I try and be as honest as possible. Have you had any sort of like long form relationships in like this year, last year? Yeah, my previous relationship was with a beautiful trans man. Um, and I worked throughout our entire relationship. Yeah. And sex work caused a lot of issues between us. It wasn't like a huge part of the conflicts that we had and the reason that we ended, but it, it did contribute. So it makes it hard. Welcome back to The Dating Pool on Sin Nation. You just heard a song uh, called Cannonball by The Breeders that I actually thoroughly enjoyed. Another one off the soundtrack. I don't think it's off the soundtrack. It was sitting in Spotify and I thought it would be a cool little addition to add to today's show. Uh, I'm here with Em. Hi. Hi. Welcome back. And during that little break, we were just talking about the people that we've dated and how we both really need to get laid and... Badly. Badly. And Em suggested a swingers party, but I I don't think I'm up for it. Why not? I just, I'm a, I, I hate to be that guy and use this on myself, but I think I've like turned into a demisexual. Like I literally need to, like, I know, like, I know I hate myself too, but, um, I need to like know people before I have sex with them. I totally get it. Good sex is like rare. And I think you've got to have a connection and feel comfortable with someone in order to open up sexually and have a good sexual encounter. Yeah, for sure. Because otherwise I just can't be bothered. Like, I'm just not... I'm also not that sexually (laughs) driven. Yeah, I don't need it. Are you sure? Yeah. I think a lot of people do need sex. I think it is important. Um, But good sex. But with a good partner, exactly. That's a thing. Like, no sex is better than bad sex, I I think. Anyway. Agree. And that's why I'm, you know, abstaining at the moment. Um, Not not my choice. (laughs) Not by choice, but, you know, for lack of, I'm, I don't know, maybe I'm lazy. You know what I think it is? I think people close themselves off for 
older they get and it's really hard to be emotionally vulnerable and sexually vulnerable and that's what it takes to have good sex you've got to be vulnerable and as you get older and older you build up these walls and you're like ouch people have hurt me mm-hmm. and then you like it's harder to connect mm-hmm. and it just gets harder to connect as you get older that's a bit emo isn't it it is a bit and it's a bit capricorn of you isn't it am i rubbing off maybe <laughs> maybe a bit i'm a gemini everybody yeah em's a gemini and she's single and she wants to get laid so <laughs> feel free um yeah, so during the break, we were talking about people we've dated and stuff. And Em said that she, like, hung out with a male escort, which I am fascinated by. Yeah, so um, one of my first boyfriends ended up becoming a male escort. And he would see women, men, couples. Um, it was really just what I did. And there was not as much of a demand. So I think he struggled a little more than I did. Um but yeah, it was fine. It was cool. Yeah. And so with uh, the male escort industry, obviously there isn't such a demand because you've got lazy lesbians like myself who will just wait for someone to like fall from the sky before they go out chasing sex. I think there are so many men that want sex in the world. Like a man to charge for sex. It's like women know they can get it pretty easily. Oh my goodness. What a concept. Oh, that didn't even occur to me. Yeah. Women can literally go out for free. Right. And probably get paid in like forms of drinks or something. Right. Because this guy just wants to bang them. Right. Wow. Yeah. Women are powerful. So I guess where male sex workers come in is they've got to offer something different. They've got to have an edge. Yeah. So they've got to build an image and offer a service that women want. So maybe they're offering a more respectful encounter than what your Tinder date would provide. True, and mm. a more polished one. Mm, absolutely. So you want to go have an intellectual conversation with a man that does not just want to get into your pants. He's there. Like, the sex might happen, but you're in control of that, and I think that's when women do want to hire a male escort. There's, I think there was this, um, a TV series, Gigolos. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah, I saw, like, a couple of episodes of it, but it was very – it's it's very graphic, so I didn't really um, – <laughs> it was like, you know, Sunday – afternoon and I was like oh yeah I'll watch this thing about like male escorts and it was incredibly graphic and it was almost like pornography so I just wasn't in the mood for it at the time but I've been planning I've been meaning to revisit it and um learn more but I'm glad you're here to help me (laughs) along my journey of learning more about it well I mean I've never been a male sex worker so I can only speak from my experiences um I have dated male sex workers and yeah there there are huge differences between working as um, a woman um, or trans worker and working as a man, like all of the genders, it's so, so different. Yeah, totally. Have you dated a female sex worker? Yeah, I have. I have. That was great because they get it. Yeah. Um, and there was none of that, oh, what are we going to do when we become official or if we become official, like, will you stop? Like, what, what's going to happen? Yeah. And um, they get it. They've done it. There's no none of that insecurity insecurity comes from the unknown and if someone hasn't been a sex worker they don't understand that it is just work and yeah when someone understands that it's fantastic as it is with any job I guess if someone's a lawyer and they're dating another lawyer they they get it they can yeah totally totally yeah you've also had like a dating dilemma Mm -hmm. in in more recent times Uh, I wish that we had more of a public forum here that we that we could get like text advice and a poll would be fantastic. and all stuff like that. Do you want to sort of briefly explain and maybe like oh maybe okay pretend that I'm the public and I can help you. Oh Lisa, yeah, <laughs> it's like therapy with Lisa. Yeah, exactly, this is great. exactly. 
So I have been seeing someone recently and um, they are, uh, they've experienced a lot of uh, sexual trauma and they've been through a lot and um, came out recently and we have been on a few dates and we have had no sexual contact whatsoever, which is fine. I am leaving the ball in their court because of their trauma history. I don't want to start anything, but I also feel like perhaps there is no sexual connection. And that's the that's the problem, right? Like, Well, for me, I'm someone that needs that. So some people don't, which is absolutely fine, but I'm some someone that definitely needs that. And I think the thing with queers is that quite often, like, you're dating or you're friends. Well, the best thing about being queer is if I go on a date, worst case scenario is I get a new friend. Exactly. And that's fantastic. Exactly. And that's, that's what happens I think for a a lot of us or most of us. Um, but when you're like, see for me, okay, lazy lesbian who doesn't go out chasing sex. (laughs) Also when I need sex though, or when I want it, um, or if I'm with a partner, it's something that is like very important to me. Mm. So if I'm dating someone, um, I need to make sure that I feel like my needs are being met. And if not, like meet them yeah and um also respect whoever I'm dating so um I feel like I'm at a stage with this person where I would prefer to have a friendship like you've been saying this whole hour they're adults yeah you know what I mean at the end of the day and don't don't worry about that too much I guess um yeah when I said that it's so much easier to uh put that into place in work work relationships because um, you know, at the end of the day, I, I need to draw boundaries there and I'm very used to doing that. But in my personal life, I'm not so good at that. Yeah. Yeah. Really bad at that. In some ways, my work relationships are far more um, healthy than my, oh my, <laughs> my personal Because <laughs> there's the boundaries there. I'm yeah. like, I can look at it objectively. Whereas when there are emotions involved, it's like, it's really hard. There's emotions and there's Tinder and there's... Oh, Tinder. And swiping and... All the swiping. Yeah. Accidentally swiping your exes. Lisa, today I was um, on an app, a dating app, and I dropped it on my face because I got so excited seeing my ex-girlfriend and I um, accidentally <laughs> liked her. So there's that. <laughs> I'm waiting with bated breath for the reaction, Well, potential a, response that's going to happen. I have a very bruised face and a very bruised ego, so <laughs> I want it to be really cool. <laughs> really cool. But I don't really? think it's going to happen. I don't think she thinks I'm very cool. <laughs> Well, to be fair, I hope she doesn't swipe back because um, we're moving on and jumping on more horses, right? All of the horses. It's yeah. like Melbourne Cup without the death. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Um, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you. Do you have any oh, final, you, Lisa. final words? Thank you. This has been fantastic. Uh, stay tuned for next week when we're going to be talking about the TV show that I was on, Blind Date. And I've got another special guest called Courtney coming in. And she was also on it with me. And we're going to be talking all about our experiences on that. And it's going to be great. In the meantime, you can hit us up on Facebook at SinDatingPool or use the hashtag SinDatingPool on Twitter to come and find me. Or just listen to the podcast on Omni. You've been listening to a Sin Media podcast. Previously heard live on Sin Nation. Uh.